Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. I've been called a lot of things, but never an alien cricket. Recorded live. Scuba Obsessed Weekly Podcast. We talk about all things scuba diving from cool new gear, places to dive, and scuba news. Scuba Obsessed episode 240 is recorded live May 7th, 2015. Welcome back to Scuba Obsessed. I'm Darren Jilson coming to you from the west side of the great state of Michigan, where it is green and blossoming. Joining me this week, we have Mac, the dive mentor. How are you doing today, Mac? I'm doing very fine, enjoying the warm weather. And then also lurking around the background, you hear Jim Schultz. How are you doing today, Jim? You heard me. I didn't hear anything. <laughs> I'm here. <laughs> so I'd like to thank everybody for listening. We are getting into that time of the weather where it is perfect for scuba diving. Even if you're a warm weather diver and you can't handle diving in the cold, I would say now's the time to get in. The sooner you get started, the longer your season will be. Or you yeah, can do like sure. us and not even end the season. I was going to say, what's the excuse now? It's not hard water. <laughs> it's not hard water at all. Boy, it, this this is what I was hoping we were going to have. It was 87 degrees on my way home from work today. Not counting what it was in your car before you opened the windows. Yeah. Well, yeah, it was a little toasty uh, in the car when you get there, but I, I I anticipated the nice weather and had it cracked a little bit. Well, let's go ahead and jump right on into the news. First one up is police are seeking a man who broke into a St. Clair County scuba shop. They've ident- they, they haven't identified the man, but they have a video of him. And I can say it's not me. He's got too much hair in the picture. The break-in happened about 2.20 a.m. The man was seen driving a maroon Chevrolet Malibu. If you have any information about the break-in or the man shown in the video, you're asked to call Clay Township Police at 810-794-9381. Now, where is that? That's in Michigan. Clay yeah. Township. Uh, well, north Clair. of Detroit. North of Detroit. Yes, north of Detroit. Yeah, St. Clair County. I, I wonder why they didn't say the name of the shop. That's... Uh, I thought they did. I don't know. Did I see it in there? Oh, Anchor Bay Scuba. Broken the Anchor Bay Scuba. That was Wednesday morning. Right. I haven't been up that way. How about you, Jim? No, it's been a while. Have you been in that used shop to, before? Used to work in that area, but I had, it's been a long time since I've been over there. Yeah. I was, I was looking in the in the background of the, the shop to see what kind of gear the, they had. Looks like a dry suit hanging up. Well, don't forget to check what is uh where do they sell that kind of stuff on eBay? Yeah. Well, eBay, and then if they're smart, they'll... Let all the other dive shops in the area know. Well, they've got enough good video of this guy. I was looking at the snippet, the 35-second. Yeah. You got a wonderful frontal shot. Yeah. He, they, the one they showed before was sort of out of focus, mm-hmm. but the other one is not out of focus. If you can't identify him from that, 
uh, you're never going to find them. Yeah. Video. You can get it so many spots, and it's hard to hide from. Yeah, because you don't know where it's at. It's tiny. And then you can have, you know, any, everybody's got a camera, video camera now. If you've got a phone, you've got a video camera. I, I would certainly have something like that. Yeah, if I, if I had a dive shop, I would take advantage of having that opportunity as well. Yeah, any kind of shop, I'd have that. Yeah, it's, it's not that expensive. You can get a system real, you know, four, six cameras for less than $1,000. It's amazing how many Europeans have dashboard cams. Oh, really? Especially in the Soviet Union. They say it comes in really, really handy for deliberate accidents. Well, here, here before, before this is warn everybody, this will be a sidetrack. But uh, have you seen the legislation that they're trying to pass? I want to say this is down in Texas, and that you cannot videotape a police officer. I don't, I don't understand how they could do that. Yeah, well, it's they're going to lose in court, but in the meantime, they're still going to arrest you and harass you for it. And what's what state? Texas. So it was going to be you cannot videotape a police officer if you're within 25 feet of them. And if you have a concealed weapon, you can't be within 100 feet of them. How does he know? That's, that's not right because so a, a police officer comes by you, you're, you're armed, he, he turns the corner, so you're in violation automatically? Well, let's look at it this way. If he pulls up behind me, I'm going to have to speed up to get away from him. <laughs> yeah, well, gotta my, keep. We gotta maintain the hundred foot distance. Yeah, my, my thought is that we just need to put cams in all the vehicles. You just just videotape all the time. Well, that's what Uncle Sam wants to do. Anyway, of course, he will make sure nothing's wrong with the video, and he'll take custody of it, and it'll always be available to whoever needs it. Yeah, sure. Well, it takes a little while, like ten or twenty years, to use the freedom of information to get your video back. Yeah. Yeah, you only get it back uh, once it's of no value. But here, here's the next article. Uh, a Houston diver is tackling hyacinth. Uh, Houston resident Elias Roots is a teacher at the Dutcher Middle School during the week. But on the weekends, he's been working on the Ptolemine River in uh, scuba gear. He's a passionate fisher and hunter. Recent years has countered a problem with excessive hyacinths. It's an uh, invasive floating plant. That often jams rivers and lakes because of its ability to double its mass in about 10 days. It's possibly one of the fastest growing aquatic plants in the world, says Rutz, who's been diving underwater to address the threatening problem. As an avid hunter and fisher, he frequents the river and he, uh, on a feather raft, a lightweight structure, he designed to float steadily in the water. Uh, he actually won uh, a $2,500 prize for the design of the raft. After making the rafts and being in the river sometime, he noticed a plant, but he wasn't sure what it was. So the hyacinths can grow 12 inches above the water, but its root structure underwater is problematic too as its roots become interlocked. The large mesh growth is extremely heavy, though not sturdy enough to be stepped on. It sits there like a carpet. It makes a roadblock and the river block, I should say. The blockage was more visible to Ritz when he, when he was diving in one of the bridges over the river and he could see the aggressive plant growth from aerial perspective. He contacted State's Division of Boating and Waterways Department of Aquatic Invasive Species Wow, that's a big department. And found out that there was no funding allocated to combat the issue in the river, so he promptly rented scuba gear and tried to settle the problem himself. I have a scuba license, and not a lot of people do, so I figured I would see what I could do. Removing the hyacinth is not as simple as cutting it out. It's dense and expansive, not to mention extremely heavy. He identified an area of the river with 
old pylons, former wood beams that once supported a bridge. The pylons caused the hyacinth to block up behind it in a cron- concrete wall, a snag point that collected dead trees and other debris. So we moved the pylons, got the logs out of the way, and then we break up the hyacinth from there and push it down the river. He's made more tr- four trips so far, but he hasn't been alone with three friends, one who's a game warden. Uh, the group's been able to remove 80% of the blockage. We've put in about 36 man hours so far. He was unsuccessful in finding a funding source for the hyacinth problem, but he did receive some help from locals. Uh, uh, the Lakewood Memorial granted him access on their private property to help with the problem. After he told the Quack Dream Scuba Center in Modesto what he was up to, they rented him gear, so he's able to. All he has to do is pay for the tanks. Uh, on Sunday, he plans to return to the river. He hopes the final removal uh, for for a while. Hard work is done. It should clear it up. An undefined amount of time for now. These pylons are gone. Shouldn't have this problem year after year. If you're interested in volunteering to help Roots, the Hyacinth problem, uh, you can join this face group, group title, Facebook group called uh, Ptolemine River AIS. Now, do we have much of a Hyacinth problem up here? It's actually one of the uh, items listed on the invasive species here in Michigan. Mm-hmm. Well, I know I've seen it. Yeah, the, the advantage here, though, as uh, they're actually saying that the species they're talking about is not widely distributed in Michigan, but it's important to document new occurrences and uh, make sure the Michigan DEQ knows about it. Yeah, because it's it's I it's just like a it's, it's like a weed. It's just a very fast growing. I don't even call it. It it makes a dense mass, but it itself is not dense. Well, well, like they say, if you, it'll double in size in two weeks. So if you configure that for a hundred acre lake, it would not take long. If it was in a nice environment where it wasn't cold and hot, cold and hot, yeah, could, to really go up, I mean, you know, take over the place. Now, where is his? Where was he at? I, I couldn't figure out what state he was in. New York, I believe. The paper's out of California. Oh, well, okay. Hudson. There's a couple spots I recognized. Well, next up, seems like the a lot of coverage on golf balls. Did you Did you miss one, by the way? Did I miss Scuba one? Event? Scuba event. Oh, yeah. Let's go ahead and jump back to that one. Oh, okay. I, I had that, and I thought, well, did I miss well, I'm just trying to keep these. It's like I'm happy when it they load. Sometimes they don't load, and I go to the next tab. A history center to hold a scuba event. And this is in Tompkins County's. It's going to be on May 7th from 7 to 9 p.m. Well, that's tonight, isn't it? Yeah. So th- it's probably going on right now. Uh, where, which, where is this? Oh, so this is over in New York. Uh, scuba divers Michael DeGroote. And Craig Bates will be answering questions after showing their diving film that explores the death of uh, Cayuga Lake. Uh, before they met in 1985, both DeGroote and Bates had been diving for years. In 2013, the duo located an early Erie Canal boat off the east coast of the lake. In the coming years, they hope to see what else the lake has to offer. They already located a few very interesting sites they have yet to explore. Uh, the event was going to be free to the public. It's the, at the History Center of Tompkins County. So by the time you get this, you probably already missed it, but <laughs> keep, keep an eye out. If you're live in the chat room, of course, if you're in the chat room, you, you know, you're much, you're not, we're, we're much more interesting. So you wouldn't go and head to that. Looks like they have the same color of water we do. I was going to say the visibility didn't look too bad. Well, there are a couple of those lakes are because of the finger lakes. It's actually one of the websites I've been working on, uh, is over in that area. And, uh, the couple of the finger lakes are really clear. Uh, golf ball diving, the lake's lined with $150,000 worth of white gold. 
They're estimating up to 300 million of the wayward white orbs lost in the U.S. alone each year. I can believe a good number of those, yes. Yeah. Um, and, and then look at the photo in this article. Uh, so this is the precariously placed 17th hole at the TPC Sawgrass in Florida. So imagine a lake. It's almost like a keyhole where you've got this little tiny stretch of uh, strip of land that goes out just long enough to drive your car on to an island in the middle, and that's where the green is. So you've got to drive your ball across this lake onto that tiny green. Sponsored by the Golf Ball Association. It says we're selling the balls we find an average of uh, uh, 50p or 75 cents, ex- explains the co-founder of Lake Ball Diving. That would give us 2,500 pounds or $3,700. As being a year, you could earn up to a hundred thousand pounds or one hundred fifty thousand dollars. Obviously, by the pricing, he's from the UK. He says it's a similar story in America. I think everybody's a dream of diving for sucking treasure. It's basically what we're doing every day. That's the owner of Golf Ball Pauls. He was worked as a search and recovery diver in offshore oil rigs, and then migrated to getting golf balls. Went with the money, huh? Yeah, he's showing one ball you can get two dollars for. Uh, a perfect titleist. Well, some of those freaking golf balls are expensive. Yeah, if you're getting two dollars for a used one, you know it has to be kind of pricey for one right fresh out of the pack. <laughs> Me, it, it doesn't matter how how much the golf ball is. You mean how much they cost? Yeah, I, I you, I can do just as good with a fifty cent ball as a twenty dollar ball. It's not going to help my game. That's probably why I do well, it, diving. It, it takes balls to play golf. It certainly does. At least they don't have to be big brass ones, though. No, yeah. also takes balls when you're in the water, and sometimes you don't know what you're going to find. This is what happened to somebody who was diving in a river. Came across a couple skeletons, uh, surprised him, and he called the police department. They scrambled, got out there. This one is La Paz County Sheriff's, Sheriff's Office. Uh, this is in Arizona. They went searching for the remains on this Monday. Divers from the Buckskin Fire Department swam down to investigate. And uh, fortunately, they were skeletons sitting comfortably in lawn chairs, and they were fake. They were even wearing sunglasses or placed in a way as though they're having a tea party. One of the signs... I was going to say, I suspect that the rubber bands on the jaws would have given them away. Yeah. One of the skeletons holding the sign, they include the words, Bernie and Dream in the River. Though not entirely, though the sign wasn't completely legible, the police said. The sign also had the date of August 16, 2014. I don't think they were trying to set anything up to scare anyone. I think they were going to be funny, Lieutenant Curtis Bagby said. He added that, though the sign could be a reference to the movie Weekend at Bernie's. That's what I would have thought. Yeah. Well, like 16, uh, last year we had two of them in there, one in the boat, one at the end. Yeah. You know, fully suited up in that snorkeler outfit or the scuba suit. Yeah, well, that uh, what I posted on Facebook yesterday. So if you go to our Facebook page, facebook.com forward slash scuba obsessed, take a look. Uh, and do a comment because I'd like to know how many people have found these or placed these or seen these skeletons and where they're at because they're all over. I want to say that's like a prerequisite. If you have a spot where divers regularly go, you have to have a skeleton, you have to have some sort of underwater vehicle, and you have to have a toilet. I think that's oh, like God, a requirement. On the toilet, everybody's got a freaking toilet. <laughs> they, they do. So that's what you, you've got to have. So it's not surprising that this was out there. I can, I can certainly understand if it was a little bit, uh, you know, if you're, if you're a fairly new diver, it's a new area, the river. Uh, I don't think I've run into, well, I haven't run into a non body in the river. That sounds kind of odd, doesn't it? 
uh, a fake skeleton in the river. We usually see them in like quarries or other item, uh, other locations. Jim, do they have a uh, skeleton there in Gilboa? Not that I'm aware of. I'm trying to remember. <laughs> them in the bus no. and airplane. They got so many places they could put a skeleton. They, yeah, for sure. I, you know, I'm going to have to. I have to go go through my notes. I want to say there used to be one, and they may have moved it around. But there was, uh, I know there was a toilet, because there's a toilet on the platform. There was a motorcycle. Yeah. yeah. Divers will recover the skeleton sometime this week, uh, Bagby added, saying that he's considering placing him outside the sheriff's office as a joke. We like to show that some things are funny, some levity too, but in the meantime, don't think it's okay to go put something there. <laughs> yeah, he's asking for it now, isn't it? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. There's going to be... Okay, and while we're on the skeleton kick, there's a lemur graveyard has been discovered in a Madagascar cave. Just, just a quick item. Mm-hmm. What does a full replica plastic skeleton cost? Uh, it's going to be dependent on the quality. I mean, you can get a joke one probably for thirty, forty bucks. Yeah, I guess even uh, less. On this one here, it said you can get a full replica plastic skeleton for forty bucks from a medical supply house, but they can range up to. $800 with specific details and other parts. There's nothing like Gold Peak's homebrew taste. Can you taste. hear that? Mm-hmm. With mountain. Oh, okay. It wasn't just me. Oh, that must have cut in when I was looking at the skeleton. Yeah. Uh, yeah, so if you get one that's, you know, college quality for teaching, yeah, that's, you, can, you can go up, you know, several hundred dollars or more. Uh, I'm certainly not spending that much money. <laughs> I don't know, I've... I've uh, had my breath taken away enough times by finding things underwater. I don't really need to add too many to them at this point. I found animal skulls. That's most, you know, we normally find. Yeah. Well, I want to say I was at, uh, what's the quarry? Was it Hague Quarry in Chicago area? And that one had, uh, I don't know if it was a skeleton or something in a, in a dry suit. When you come across that, that can underwater, that would shock you. Yeah, that'll take your breath away from that. Yeah, because it was a, it was in, in the corner where there were a lot of leaves. It was really tannic, so you didn't have great visibility. And, you know, you, at first you just think you're coming up, because you know, you're in a quarry with a bunch of divers. I mean, there's a lot of divers there. You think you're just coming up on somebody, and then you are you wait for a second, and he doesn't move. And then you tap him. <laughs> so, uh, But here, these this lemur graveyard's been discovered underwater in Madagascar. They said it has revealed hundreds of fossils from an extinct lemur, possibly washed in a ground trap by storms thousands of years ago. The lemur graveyard also contained fossils from a, s- a suite of extinct animals, including primates, hippos, a crocodile, and the island's largest predatory cat. The sinkhole where the bones were found may have preserved the fossils a few thousand years. This is according to a physical anthropologist from Brooklyn College, City University of New York, who led the team. Pretty well preserved is an understatement. The skulls and jaws are virtually complete and very often even undamaged. So you pick up 12 skulls of one species and they'll all be absolutely perfect. It's not exactly clear how the animals arrived in the underwater grave, though it's one possibility the animals were swept underwater during seasonal rains or a flash flood. And they said this is not unusual to find sinkholes where, where these items will collect. Uh, the researcher had a team of cave divers who were exploring underwater caves in the Dominican Republic when he led his diver. Uh, Philip Lehman got a tip about a sinkhole. Oh, my gosh. Tis Manomopita Sota. That's not even, that's not even a name. If I didn't pick this article myself, I'd say somebody faked it. 
Uh, an arid region with several storms in Madagascar where the limestone cliffs have been eaten away by water and wind over time, leaving the landscape a cave and tunnels res- resembling Swiss cheese. And they go on and on. So it's a, it's a good article. And you have to be a diver to find these. Yeah. If it's underwater, yeah. <laughs> yeah. You're not snorkeling down to there. No, I don't think so. And then how about some discoveries? I always like to know how deep. The Royal Navy submarine, which vanished without a trace during World War II, was discovered off the coast of Libya. And solves the mystery why the vessel sank in 1942. For more than 70 years, the whereabouts of the British submarine, which vanished the Mediterranean during the Second World War, remained a mystery. A 76-year-old diver had discovered the wreck 160 feet below the surface on the Libyan coast. Researchers now believe the Royal Submarine sank with its 29 crew and 10 passengers after being dive bomb by Italian biplane. The HMS Urge was paid for by the town of Brigham, South Wales, after residents raised money by organizing dances whilst drives. And whilst drives. Dances and whilst whist drives? W-H-I-S-T. What's a whist drive? I don't know. I'm going to have to look that up because, let's see, whist drive. Look in the great big book of everything. Whist Drive is a social event in which progressive games of whist are played. Sounds like you got a list. Yeah, it does. It's a British game with four takes four people. It's a trick taking card game which is widely played in the eighteenth and nineteenth centuries. It's uh whilst whist whist is a sent in the sixteenth century game of Trump or Rough. Whist replaced a popular variant of Trump known as Rough and Honors. Game takes its name from the 17th century whist, which means quiet, silent, attentive, which is the root of the modern wistful. Okay, the rules. Do we want to know how to play? No, I don't care. Thank you. <laughs> okay, so the submarine. Just, just post it in the chat room. The chat room wants to know? No, but I thought if you posted in the chat room, we could always go back and get it if we did. Yeah, the chat grabber, we can always go and look at it. So there it goes. The chat room will be playing a nice game of whist. I just want to know why I had 29 crew and 10 passengers. What were the 10 passengers doing? Well, th- that's an interesting story. One of the passengers, uh, they almost make it sound like he was a stowaway. Yeah, how do you stow away on a freaking submarine in the war? And why would you? Well, I think it was more of a case of he wasn't officially approved. He says, in the whole of the Second World War, only one unofficial passenger set sail on a British submarine. And he was Bernard... Gray, a war correspondent for the Sunday Pictorial, who was billed by the papers as he wrote as the man who goes everywhere. Gray was killed aboard the HMS Urge as he traveled to cover the Egyptian desert campaign. He was also the only journalist to die aboard a British submarine during war. Just an hour before he set sail on the voyage, he wrote to his wife, My own darling, I'm going away on a trip which is very dangerous. The last thing of its kind I shall ever do. I'm doing this for the children. And he was right. Yeah, that was the last thing he ever did. So what about the nine other non-crew members? Non-crew. Those could be aid workers. You know, what's what's the British version of the CIA? You're sinking boats. I don't think you're taking a tour. You know, that was his job was to be sinking enemy ships. I don't think you're going to have aid workers on board at the time you do that. Does that sound logical? Not aid workers, but, uh, I mean, if you had to, a submarine would be, an interesting way if you were trying to get spies. Well, well, that's what I was going to say. It was a spy, but they were aggressively uh, how they think it was sunk is they were on the surface trying to sink another boat. And then the Italians saw them and uh, 
the biplane went and bombed the submarine and sank it. So 160 feet, that's that's a diveable depth. Yes, it is. Uh, yeah, he, he found it, but Libya was in such a, a mess, he couldn't get down there, and now he just feels like he's too old to be able to get a chance to dive on the wreck. Yeah, it'd be, it'd be, why didn't, I wonder why they didn't go and tell us what those, who those others were. I mean, it's been that long ago, you, you can say. Yeah, seven years. There's a good article, a lot of good pictures, both of the boat on the surface and the side scan, so I, I thought that was pretty nice. I liked how they drew the lines so you're able to pick up the different elements. I bet you he did that when you look at it because it's, it's all done by hand. It's not somebody's graphic department getting fancy. Yeah. And what we're talking about is it has a traditional side scan sonar you see, but this is this is I think what we see a lot is stuff that looks just like this. Obviously not a submarine, but uh, that we know of. Yeah, God, that, if we missed a submarine, uh, good article. Yeah, interesting reading, and it goes on for quite a bit. So Wist, we'll have to take a look at that game. Well, how about this? You like to find some treasure? Absolutely. So how how much is a silver coin weigh? Just maybe a couple ounces, maybe. Generally less, because you figure a silver dollar, and silver is selling right now about sixteen an ounce. Yeah. So, so this uh, they found Captain's. What they're saying is Captain Kidd's treasure off a shipwreck. The rumor has it the British pirate Captain Kidd buried his booty all over the world, inspiring treasure hunts. And Robert Louis Stevenson's novels now a bit of a loot may have been discovered off the coast of Madagascar. A hundred and ten pound bar of silver was found off. St. Marie Island plucked from one of the pirates' wrecked ships, said a man who hoped, helped uncover it, underwater explorer Barry Clifford. This he reported to the BBC News. Since it's been brought ashore by divers, it's been heavily guarded by soldiers. It was presented to Madagascar's president and diplomats at a ceremony on Tuesday as the island hopes that discovery will boost tourism. Well, look, they if they let you dive for treasure. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, look at the spot where... Thousand seven hundred and sixty ounces. You know. Look at the spot where he's diving. You wouldn't think of that as a, a shipwreck site, would you? So it's just off the coast in shallow water, so he must have beached it. Yeah, so, I'd be looking for more. Yeah, they said uh, Clifford and his team are highly respected. However, skeptics probably won't be convinced that the silver is actually from some of the captain's loot. The bar was likely crafted in 17th century Bolivia. The ship is probably English. In order to prove for certain, scientists have to examine the wood from the wreckage confirm it did come from England. Oh, so they're arguing over whose it actually was. Yeah. Wonder if that yeah, means I'd like to have that bar and let people argue about it. Yeah. Wonder, wonder if that means that they're going to uh, figure out who owns the silver and then sue for it back. <clears throat> it's only about $28,000. The lawyer would get most of that. Yeah. What? 110 pounds? 110 pounds? $28,000? Yeah. Well, what is it? 1,760 ounces times yeah. 16? Yeah, because silver's not, I mean, silver's not mm. terribly expensive. Yeah, $16 an ounce. Yeah. Still a good chunk. Yeah, I'd like to find it. Captain Kidd's piracy eventually caught up with him, and not in a good way, a trip from the Indian Ocean. He was convicted of his ruthless deeds, including murdering of a crewman in 1698 by Parliament in 1701. <coughs> his hanging was botched twice before it took, <coughs> and his, course, his corpse was eventually dipped in tar and put on display as a warning to others. Dipped it in tar to preserve it? Yeah. I'm imagining they just, like, dipped them in tar, and it was this big black tar-covered mess. They throw some feathers on it, too? Yeah. But it's not real. Brother, where art thou? 
Okay, how about some gold? That old thing, 110 pounds of gold would be very nice. Yep. This one's out of Finland on May 5th. They're saying that they found a gold-filled wreck, and we have some photos. Team of archaeologists, divers say they have found a wreck of one of the treasure-filled Henke Rhone, one of two ships that left Lubeck, Germany, for uh, Tallinn, Estonia on May on November 11th, 1468, south of the Finnish island of Jarasso. The coins are very pretty, aren't they? Yeah, this is very a nice relief to them. They said archival documents record. Yeah, 150 million dollars worth of pretty. Yeah, so 150 million dollars worth of gold. 10,000 gold coins is massive gold jewelry. The wreck was found in 1999. Wow, if it's been there since 1999, how's there still anything on it? Unless they haven't told anybody. Measuring some 130 feet in length, the wreck appears in an underwater video shot by the team. The footage shows a well-preserved section of the wooden hull and even an anchor. It has one mast. It has more than one mast, perhaps even three. You could see a joint knee integrated in with the ship's ribs. This is strange, but really nobody knows much about this ship's style. So that must be a knee that they're showing us there. Did I lose you guys? Oh, let me see. I never really lost connection, but Skype dropped everything. Are you still there? I'm still here. Okay. Mac, you there? Maybe. Mac. It's one of those internet days. Yeah. Maybe he's talking and we can't hear him. But anyway, I was looking at the knee on that in that photo, and that doesn't look too strange to me. Maybe it was unusual for their type of construction, but when you, it comes... Whoops. What the heck? You back? You here? We can't hear you, Mac. But I thought that the, that there wasn't anything too crazy about that construction. And that's it. It goes on to photos of an, something else. And then uh, how, how about this for potentially... I don't even know if I call this cool scuba gear. And I've heard this claim two or three times that it's the first of something, but this is... They're claiming the first underwater oxygen bar. I doubt it's the first, but we'll see if it... If it stays open for a year... I don't think any of the others were open for any amount of times. They were mostly stunts. But if you wanted to breathe underwater, the Clear Lounge has a good solution for you. It's it's located in Carnival's uh, Porta Maya Port in Cozumel, Mexico. The underwater oxygen bar is the first of its kind. According to them, it allows visitors to breathe underwater using specialized clear diving helmets, a high-tech helmet that allows an airflow of oxygen mixed with aromatherapy scents of the diver's choosing. After entering the 13,000-gallon freestanding aquarium, guests can participate in various activities, including Jenga, writing on message board, target practice with high-powered bubble guns. There's also a bartender to help guide participants through activities. The Clear Lounge also has an underwater photo booth. A family can experience a lounge. It's suitable for ages 8 and up, and it starts at about $38. So it kind of looks cool. Not a substitute for scuba diving, but hopefully it gets some people interested curious about the oxygen par part so that does it for scuba in the news and last week if you remember we talked about uh some divers who had said they had found the alice e wilds have you been following any of this on facebook jim no i haven't oh wait a minute is that the one from yitka yeah yes a little bit well it and i don't like to bring up dirt but it seems like that there's a bunch of people grumbling saying that they didn't discover it and it, it's kind of that game of who gets credit? I mean, many things aren't really, I mean, you really don't discover it, you rediscover it. Rediscover it, yeah. Because when it sinks and everybody knows where it sinks, then, you know, and people maybe had gone back to it after it sunk, not at 300 feet, that's about what how deep they're saying it is. But uh, supposedly some other divers had discovered it. It's supposedly also on a website 
with GPS numbers. But then kind of the the back and forth I've been following is that the numbers that the website puts out are wrong because they don't want people diving on it. So I say you get to say you discovered it if nobody puts good numbers out. I mean, you might not get credit for being the first one to discover it, but it's still the same amount of effort. You got to go get the side scan. You got to go out there, look for it. You got to mow the lawn mm-hmm. and you got to find it. And they went and did some research and said, hey, this is something we want to find. They went and found it. But there are others who are now uh, not happy because they, they're saying that they took credit for the discovery. So, and I, and I think it's just people being a little oversensitive. Well, some, somebody rediscovering it doesn't change the fact that somebody discovered it all before. Yeah. It's, I mean, it's like Max Rack. We didn't discover it. We rediscovered it. Yeah. And identified, you know, that there definitely was a wreck there and are now hoping to identify which one it is. Yep. So I just thought I wanted to bring that up and, and see what the opinions are. Because uh, I was a little surprised at some of the reactions of people being upset. Okay. Let's see. What else do we got? Now, did uh, let's go ahead and talk about scuba diving from last week. I understand that you went to Gilboa. Yes, I joined the Great Lakes Wrecking Crew at Gilboa. And, well, I have been a member of the Great Lakes Wrecking Crew for a number of years, but I joined the rest of the crew at Gilboa and the spring meet and greet. Um, There were, well, we had about 20 people around the campfire Friday night and probably about that many Saturday night also of people who stayed over. Lots of good food, lots of good uh, so, good diving. So that was at Gilboa Quarry, which that's in Finley, Ohio, isn't it? Uh, it's in Ottawa. Ottawa? Well, it's between Finley and Ottawa. You might actually find it in Gilboa, but yes, it's just west of Finley, Ohio. And Gilboa's, you know, was a former mine uh, quarry, you know, and they just, uh, it flooded and they've turned it into a dive resort. See if we can pick Mac back up. Now, was there anything different from the last time you had been there? Um, nothing that I really noticed. Uh, the visi- Well, I will take that back. The visibility this year was tremendous. I do take that. Um, it had been, I think, 2011 was the last time I was there. Uh, and I noticed there were some zebra mussels in mm-hmm. the quarry this time. And uh, visibility was tremendously improved. Oh, okay. Well, so was uh, a lot of stuff covered in zebra mussels then? Not as much as I would have expected. Oh, sorry. Uh, you know, for seeing zebra mussels, I thought, okay, well, this, either they're just starting to get in there or it's so cold in that quarry, because that is a cold quarry year-round, a spring-fed. Yeah. And that may have slowed them, the growth down a little bit, but there are some there. Yeah, I don't um, remember. But it, you know, the visibility was better. It could be because there, you know, people were staying off the bottom. And and that's really the trick to that quarry because it's a, it's a fairly clean quarry. I don't think it's been a, mm-hmm. it's been flooded all that many years. What, probably twenty now. Oh, I really don't know when it started. They probably go to the web their website and find out. But the uh, yeah, but a lot of pe- a lot of diving instructors take students there, and that's where you do their open water dives it's a nice contained area and it's got some fairly decent uh cape uh features you know they can do air fills you've got uh docks and platforms in there in the shallow side i think that 
before you start going on the trail, it probably maxes out about 45 feet. Uh, well, yeah, it's about, there's a couple flat layers or flat areas there. And then you, if you follow down the road, it's not that far row, uh, swim down the road to get to the tubes and they're about 60, 65 feet. And that's where the shallow side officially stops. To go any deeper than that, you have to file a deep dive plan and get it approved. Sounds like uh, Max wrestling with an alligator. Or Donald Duck. Wow. Yeah, he's not kidding when he said that he was having internet problems today. I think so. Uh, now, so what do they have underwater? Do they still have the uh, the helicopter? They've got a Sikorsky helicopter and a small um, passenger plane, three or four or more boats, and some platforms, uh, some other structure pipe and things that you can swim through. Uh, there's a stack of three very large tubes you can swim through, like drain culverts. That would mm-hmm. be under a road. Yeah, a couple cars. It's it's an interesting quarry. It's a good good training place because you you know the swims to the platforms are relatively short. Um, the platforms are well up off the bottom, so you can work with students and have plenty of room to work with them. Easy entry, easy exit. Yeah. So. Yeah, not too bad. Uh, so when's the next one for the Great Lakes Wrecking Crew? They will have a fall meet and greet. Uh, they didn't really set a date. It's usually m- middle of October. But a number of the wrecking crew are going up to Tobomori on August 7th, 8th, and 9th. Oh, nice. And they've uh, they've got the opportunity to pick up a second charter boat, second dive boat. So they're looking to see if they can get somewhere between 6 and 12 divers to uh, sign up, and then they'll commit to the second boat. Oh, that'd be nice. Yeah, it's, I posted it on the Mud Club site to see if any of our people are interested. I've never been to Tobomori. I hear there's some great diving up there. Yeah, uh, one of my fellow Scoutmasters, had, who doesn't have a lot of dives, but that was one of the places he went was Tobomori. Mm-hmm. So that it was a nice dive location. It, I, I hear it's clear. Yeah, that's what everyone says. It's very clear water, uh, and you've got everything from shallow stuff to deep stuff. Um, you know, it seems to, and the the people there, they say, are you know, they really cater to divers. So, well, cool. We'll have to keep that up on the radar and see if we can do it. That. Just, just make sure you have a passport. Oh, that's right. That's in Canada. It's in Canada. Yep, so that was one of the notes to remind people. You've got to have a passport or a transportation card. Yep. That's something I need to get, yeah. Uh, it's like I always find something for the Elsa that $150 can do. Mm-hmm. It's uh, good to get that. What's a transportation card run? Is that about $20? Well, I, I think you've got to have the passport to get the transportation card. Oh, do they do it that way now? Is I believe it? so. Yeah. So this must be for convenience then, because I can't think of any other yeah. reason why you would do it. Okay. Well, let's see. You got anything to plug? How's how's the dive shop doing? Oh, shop's doing okay. We're picking up some more more merchandise. 
bringing in some different things every week and uh, trying to get geared up for for divers season picking up you know things like restocking gloves and boots and hoods now that people are getting ready to get in the water making sure we've got uh, stuff to keep them warm and dry yeah i'm gonna have to go and pick up some gloves that's uh, a must-have before my next dive unless i wait till august it's no, already nice. Hey, we can hear Oh, back. he's back. Howdy. I've just been keeping quiet here for a second. <laughs> well, you weren't too, too quiet. It's wet we too we thought around. you were fighting with mice or something. I had to get down and unplug everything and then plug it back in. That must have been what you heard. Yeah, it's uh, that's, it sounds like it's a USB driver issue for some reason on Windows. Well, what happened then is that every time you guys would talk, it would overpower the microphone. So no matter what I did, you couldn't hear me. Yeah, it, you you were sounding, and uh, if you l- listen back, because I won't be able to edit it out, uh, it sounded like a, a little alien cricket <laughs> mumbling in the background. <laughs> I've been called a lot of things, but never an alien cricket. <laughs> an alien cricket. <laughs> so did you get wet this week, Mac? You mentioned wet. I went out to Lake 16 on Sunday, and I dove Gull Lake on Sunday. Got some decent video, and uh, went out to Paw Paw and dove. Uh, visibility is only about four feet, but 85 degrees on the surface. Come on. That pawpaw? Yeah. 85 already. Uh, no, that's not water temperature. That's air temperature. Oh, oh okay. Because if we have 80 degree water temperature already, we're in trouble. Yeah, there's a volcano somewhere under the surface <laughs> preheating our water. I did notice that uh, the, the cook buoy was uh, oh, yeah. surface temp was up in the 50s today. So that warm sun and warm air was uh, warming up the first three or four feet of water. It was. And you can you consider then South Haven. It was thirty-eight to forty-one Sunday. The water temperature at fifteen feet. Yeah. So that's ten, fifteen degrees. That's that's nice. It's it's starting to thermoclines are you know the they're starting to get the layers, getting toasty. So it won't be long now, and uh, we haven't mentioned it, but. The buoy is now back out in the cook. You can get, I don't, I'll have to update the links on the website. But the buoy this year has an, an image. Is that live video or is it just photos? It was uh, live video when I looked at live, it last. Yeah, live video. You can look at it. There's, there's options of, of still. Okay. You know, captured scene or you can uh, get live, live video. I don't know if it's truly live, live or if, you know, it's a time, de- time lapse delay or something, but. It might not be an intentional delay, but they've got to compress it and send it out through mm-hmm. a cellular network and get it back. Yeah, uh, it's it's there. Sponsored by one of our local TV stations. I believe it's 22. Uh, their logo's all over every picture you would take off of it, them and Cook. Uh, so it's kind of an interesting way of getting the, boo- the buoys uh, funded. Uh, mm. The re- reason I didn't I didn't know if it was uh, video or, or st- static image, because when I looked at it, which was last Saturday... It was glass out there. There was no ripples, no motion, nothing. That was, I was looking at that image going, ah, it'd be a perfect to be out there diving. Well, you figure right now it is, uh, 53 degrees on the surface. Air temperature is 65. And at, at basically 60 feet, it's 45 degrees. And that's at 10 o'clock at night. So it's been dark that's, probably for an suit, hour. Wet suit weather. Yeah. Yeah, so what's the, what's the first wreck dive of the season going to be? Has anybody gotten out on anything? I have no, but I, I'd I mean, like to. This is the longest. I mean, we had gone this far in, 
and nobody's been on a wreck yet. That's unusual. It it is. I want to say was it last year we did the same kind of the same thing. It might have been last year. It wasn't until May that we got on a wreck. Uh, yeah, that, 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 some of those years that we've been out in Lake Michigan in March, we just must have been wickedly aggressive. Uh, or no outage and somebody had a boat. <laughs> yeah. Well, Bob, yeah, yeah, it depends on the, the outages. So Bob's got his boat. Uh, Kevin's got his, his got his boat, a, a nice 17 foot Boston whaler. Uh, now Kevin got out, it looked like, and did some diving. He was, was at the pier in South Yeah, he got up to South Haven, and I did update the club site with that kind of information. Yep. So mudclub.scubaobsessed.com. Yep. They, they had some, some stuff on that, got some, some dives in, but no, no dives planned yet for the weekend. It's Mother's well, Day. Oh, is it? I know. We, it's Mother's Day? I, Crap, I'm glad you mentioned it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah. Oh, gosh, it's just, it's just time's flying now. That's why if you're not getting wet, you got a problem because it's already almost middle of May. Yeah. Well, and then you got to start planning it. Mother's Day. You've got to plan yeah. it. Because if you don't plan it, then uh, it's going to sneak away. Yeah, my, my weekends are filling up, though. Anybody going to Oshkosh this year? I I'm I don't I'm not have it planned, but I could have my arm twisted and go. And I'm going up for three days. Uh, my yeah. nephews finally said they'd go, so I'm going up to camp out for three, and then uh, on the way back, stop in Wisconsin at the Ren Fair with them again. Now, can you you camp there at the site? Do they have that available? Yes. Yep. Mm-hmm. Okay, I might have to look at the bucks. website. And, and 20, uh, Twenty-nine bucks a night. How much? Twenty-nine dollars for camping. Costs yeah. more when you get water, electric, things like that. How much for the beer? Don't know. <laughs> Never had a beer there. They, they, I just, they don't have that at the campsite. Uh, yeah, they do. I would imagine. Oh wow. Yeah, but twenty-one dollars. That, that'd be good. I'll see if I get my son to go. Yeah, twenty-nine dollars. I believe it is. Twenty-nine. Either way. That's still a bargain. If you've never been, you need to go one time, at least a day trip, to realize you need more time than a day. And where is this, Mac? Wisconsin? Oshkosh? Yeah. Oh, oh, really? Yeah, the experimental, what do they call that? The experimental? Aircraft Association. Aircraft Association. Right, and if you're an EAA member, you can get things a lot cheaper. Yeah, and they have a uh, big, it's like, it's their own grounds, too, I believe. Well, it's the airport. Oh, so they're double dutying it then. Okay. Cause I, I, I've seen the big sign advertising it when I would drive by. Yeah. You should go to the website. Just like a VAA, Kenosha, Wisconsin. Uh, it, it's got more airplanes than you can check a stick out. That's now, wonderful. Now, is there any good dive sites near there? Uh, don't know. I've never been up there diving. Well, actually, you get up that way and go to Door County. Yes. A lot okay. of good diving up there. Okay. And since we were mentioning websites, I've, I've made some progress on the website. I've, I've got some things going. Uh, we need to decide how do we want to give people access if we want to give early access to the site. Because I'm, I'm going to do quite an extensive overhaul. So if people are interested, we'll have to let them. i probably got a couple weeks yet, but it's uh, getting much closer. Are you talking about the club website? Well, mine. Do you want to redo the club site while we're at it? or No, no. I, I didn't know which website you meant, the club no. site or... No, Scuba Obsessed. I can. I was thinking about maybe redoing the theme on the club site just to make it a little bit more mobile friendly. Well, like I said, Kathy said she uh, would help you do some editing and stuff on it whenever you're ready. Okay, yeah. Yeah, whenever. Whenever she's got some time, we can do that. I, I think we need to add some audio to the club site. What, what kind of audio? Um, like the theme of Gilligan's Island. Castaways. 
Yeah. Well, I mean, we could do some crazy stuff like that. Uh, let's see what else. You, you got anything to plug, Mac? You were uh, muted when when we got to that point. No, we just got the mud club on the nineteenth of May for our mud meeting. Wow, another meeting already. The time is just flying. Yep. So, but there's no excuse not to be getting out there. It's that time of year. Uh, if I remember to bring my tanks with me in my car tomorrow, I'm gonna I'll stop by the shop and get those topped off or vised or whatever has to be done to them. No, oh, Kurt will be there, so he can take care of you. Okay. Cool. Did you say Kurt? Yes. Curtis. Does he prefer Kurt? Curtis or when he's working oh, at the Kurt. shop, he does. Kurt. At twenty one, at the shop, huh? Yeah. Okay. Well, I told him he could not be a Richard. We couldn't have another Richard at the shop, especially in the dive shop. After three? <laughs> but see, but then he's 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 going against Bob and Kurt. Well, I think what they would have, then they'd have, uh, well, no, well, I'll stop talking about that later. <laughs> Kirk. He's Kurt, C-U-R-T. Yeah. <laughs> but cool. Okay, well, let's see. I think, think that about does it. So that means we are to that time of the show. And I can vouch that this one is bad. Another one from Rod. So are you ready? Oh, yeah. There are two scuba diving professors arguing over which one had the dumber child. Each professor thought his was the bigger idiot. The first professor yells, there's no way your son is dumber. My son is the stupidest kid on earth. The second professor says, no way. Jose, my son, is the biggest idiot. The first professor said, let me prove it to you. Hey, Jake. Jake runs out to his father. I don't know if I left myself in the office or not. Would you run there and find out? If I'm there, tell me to come home and eat dinner. The son says gleefully, sure, dad, and then runs off. The second professor, not to be outdone, says, oh, yeah, watch this. Hey, Sam, come here. Sam runs to his father. Here are two pennies. With one penny, buy a car, and with the other penny, buy a microwave. Sam says, okay, and leaves. The professors keep arguing. Jay and Sam meet in the street, and they start arguing which one is a dumber father. Jay says, well, listen, my father told me to go out and see if he's in the office or not. Well, all he had to do was call the office and find out himself. Two minutes, he'd be done. That is how stupid if I've ever heard it. Sam says, well, that's nothing. My dad told me to buy a car with one penny and microwave with the other. But he didn't tell me which one, which penny was for the car and which one was for the microwave. That's pretty bad. <laughs> you know, yeah. that really doesn't even qualify as a joke. <laughs> yeah, that, that, one, uh, yeah, that one stunk a little, or a lot. <laughs> well, that's what it's supposed to. Yeah, we, 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 we <clears throat> advertise, but you know, sometimes they're so bad they're good. That one just plain stunk. Until next week, go out there and get wet. And stay safe. And please submit some better jokes. Or we'll have to. recording has been completed it is ryan here and i have a question for you what do you do when you win 
Like, are you a fist pumper, a woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver? I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, avoid, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus.